Champs look exactly that tonight. 127 to 104. The Bucks take down the Nets in a lid lifter that was fitting of the night. That was just one week ago. Tonight, the NBA has played for one week. Feels like a lot has gone on in the short amount of time, and that's how it works in the league. Uh, coming up in this hour, lots of discussion on the NBA, including at the bottom of the hour, Tim Kempton. Former NBA player, Phoenix Suns radio analyst will join us. Kings play the Suns tomorrow, so we'll get some perspective on how Phoenix has looked so far with Tim Kempton. If you look at Phoenix, what they've done, uh, they lost their home opener to the Nuggets, came back and had that win against the Lakers where most of the story on that was the sideline bench. I fight, I think, is too strong, but the altercation, the scuffle between Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis, but that was a Suns win, and then the Suns just got crushed by the Blazers in Portland, 134 to 105. So we'll kind of talk about, Tim, uh, what's going on with the Phoenix Suns? Did we ever figure out why they were pushing each other? I don't know if there was ever much more. They all kind of squashed it and said, oh, you know, things happened. We moved on. But I don't know really what the story was there. Maybe AD's like, yo, 77, get some work out there. Maybe he has to be 78 because the Warriors gave Clay number 77. We're just moving down the list. Dwight Howard's not only not top 76, he may be out of the top 80 if he, these other guys get other jerseys before him. Um, but anyway, we'll discuss that with Tim Kempton. And then at 5, one hour from now, head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, will join us for his weekly visit here on the show. So we look forward to catching up with Coach. But kind of wanted to look around the league right now and try to make some early assessments because that's what happens, right? You're seeing a lot of love right now for like the Chicago Bulls, for example. And I know if Sacramento was 3-0, and we'd be going crazy. We'd be happy about that. I told you before, I like the way they've played. I, I think the game I liked the least was actually this last one. I think the Warriors was more of a winnable game than the way it played out. Now, the Kings could have won, and I think a lot of people have kind of went, well, you lose to a team like the Warriors and compete like that, that's okay. That, I, the Warriors are going to be better than this. I think that team was very gettable on Sunday night. Let's keep in mind they did not have Wiseman. Of course, Clay is still out. Uh, Iguodal is a big, nice glue piece for them. He didn't play either. And, you know, the Kings were had all their guys. They were available. They were ready to go. They were at the home team. And to me, it's not a terrible loss by any means, but um, I wonder where the Warriors will fall in the standings as the year goes on. And I think you'd rather play them now. Uh, they're going to have a, a get off to a good start. They should because they've played these three games so far on the road with the tour of California, right? The Warriors have taken out the Kings, the Lakers, and the Clippers. And then they have a road game in OKC today, and then they have eight straight at home. I think it ties their franchise longest homestand. So Warriors have a chance to get off to a great start. The other undefeated teams right now, the Utah Jazz, they're 2-0. and So just two games. They beat the Thunder. Uh, beat the Kings with the strong final four minutes, and tonight they play Denver. I think Utah's very good. That's the team I have coming out of the West. Uh, I had mentioned the Lakers in the offseason uh, as a team that I think could come out of the West. I, I really think it's between those two, depending on how much the Lakers gel as the year goes along and really how they're playing in April. How healthy are they then? 
how much have they figured out how to utilize everybody. It's not really a talent situation for them because they've got it, but it's a fit. Utah doesn't have the most talented roster top to bottom, but they've got continuity. They've played in high-level games. They really fit very well. They can beat you in different ways with offense or defense. Now they have experience, tough home court. Jazz are a problem. Jazz are a problem. So you get the undefeated teams of the Jazz, the Warriors at 3-0, and and then the Chicago Bulls, the only team in the league right now that's 4-0. And they should be excited in Chicago. It's the first 4-0 start in 25 years. You dig a little bit deeper into that and say, okay, how have they done it? Well, the opening night looked like they were going to lose to the Pistons, but they came back and won. That game was 94-88. That was a terrible game. It was really low scoring throughout. They beat the Pelicans without Zion. They got the Pistons again and didn't get to 100 points, but beat them. So they beat the Pistons twice without Cade Cunningham, and I, you know, I don't know that that would have mattered. They beat the Pelicans without Zion Williamson, and then they beat the Raptors without uh, Siakam. They don't have to apologize for all that, but I, take the 4-0, enjoy that, and, and people will probably do power rankings and have the, the Bulls pretty high, but I just um, I want to see a lot more of it. I like the way they're constructed. I think they had a good offseason. Uh, a little bit of a curious one to me um, when they already had Zach Levine and Kobe White, but uh, they feel like they added more with DeMar DeRozan, kind of a wing, two, three, you know, multi- multiple versatile player there. And then Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. So all those guys have fit very well. They made the big trade last year to get Vucevic, and they hope that Patrick Williams, the rookie that they drafted number four last year, um, all kind of fits in and gel. So they're a fun team, though. They're an exciting team to watch. I think what most people are talking about through a week as one of the most exciting teams to watch is Charlotte. The Hornets are a lot of fun. They play a good style, a lot of good highlights. They had a good season last year. Uh, Ball was the rookie of the year, and he's back playing even better. They're 3-1. and one. And, Chris, you were telling me uh, during the break, there's a lot of people talking about right now, is, is this a Twitter thing that LeVar is, was right? He was right. And so what's that reference about? His sons are one and two in the East right now. Yeah. Didn't he say that? What What was the official quote that his sons would be winning championships for the Lakers, though, or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we're going to see a trade this uh, yeah. before the deadline. But his, his sons are good. I, I, I mean, I'm glad we hear less from him, but his sons are really good. And I think yeah. a lot of people came in, like, not liking them because, because of, of him. him. I mean, you cannot well, like Well, then, him. like, on top of that, and we've seen this with Marvin Bagley. Lonzo Ball at two, he probably wasn't the number At that two, time. Yeah, he wasn't but, the number two pick. But he's played really well. Yeah, and he's a, he's a good player. Yeah. He's not going to be a star, but he's a very, very good player on a good team. Yeah, and he fits in. And then LaMelo Ball looks more like Man. a star. <laughs> more like a star, right? Yes. And he went four, three. You can wonder maybe should he have gone. Eh, three is still pretty high. Um, but it's the fit, and, and even where he went with his style, like, oh, Charlotte, are we really going to get a chance to see him? Oh, we're getting the highlights. They're being shown. He is fun to watch. So I think those are some of the things so far that have jumped out with some of the top teams. Again, the Warriors, the Bulls, and the Jazz are the only undefeated teams in one week. That's it. And when people are, um, you know, a little bit all over the place, as we we get that way, right, with the Kings. They go, man, one and two. They should probably have another win in there. Two and one would feel different, and it would. But if you look at look at the company the Kings have right now at one and two, just this short of a season, Houston, Lakers, Suns, Clippers, 
Blazers, Spurs are all one and two as well. And if you saw at the beginning, if you said, hey, first three games, Kings are going to go one and two, you probably go, eh. Yeah, just based on schedule, that's believable. Yeah. And they competed in all of them Which, and yeah. were in it with five minutes to go in all of them. That's the bad thing is, like, when you actually watch a game, they should have beat the Warriors. Yeah. And they had a chance to beat the, the Jazz. Jazz. And they probably should have beat the Blazers by more. They, yes. they fizzled. So that one, I, I don't know if we, doesn't matter if you won by 20 or by the last field goal that Dame Lillard missed, but also then you go, okay, now now that we just see the record, that's the surface. What have we seen from the Kings? Well, we've definitely seen a team that's competing more consistently, that's rebounding well, that's defending better, um, but not perfect. Long way to go. Glass half full, you say, okay, they're in these games, and they've been sloppy, and they can't control the ball, and if they can clean that up, they'll be doing much better. Mm-hmm. Glass half empty <laughs> Empty is, man, they're sloppy with the ball, and they're giving away. These are why they're losing games. Yeah, exactly. It just it, – it, which – which corner of Twitter are you on when you're looking at how people uh, analyze the Sacramento Kings? Um, on the flip side, on the other end, so we gave you the undefeated teams through just one week. There's only three. Well, there's not that many teams that are winless. It's Detroit, who is 0-3. We just mentioned they had to play the Bulls twice. So are is Detroit bad? I think a lot of people th- think they will be. Well, they've had to play the Bulls twice, and their other loss was to the Hawks. They now get the Sixers next, so... I think they're looking at 0-4. You just never know there with the league. And then OKC, um, they have lost their games to the Sixers, to the Rockets, and to the Jazz. Their problem is they haven't been that competitive in any of them. They get the Warriors tonight. So a tough beginning for OKC. And, you know, it's it's way, way, way too early to do this, but it's how you kind of have to look at things now, especially from the Sacramento Kings perspective. This team is trying to get into the postseason. The best way to do it, would be a top six team because then you avoid the plan. That's that's a big, uh, humongous jump to get into the top six. But you certainly then need to be in seven, eight, nine, or ten. And sometimes it's then when you start to do the numbers and you say there's 15 teams in the West. Again, too early to do this. I do not think Oklahoma City will be a team that is fighting for that. I personally do not think Houston will be a team that is fighting for that. I wonder about Minnesota. I know they won their first two games. Last year, they got off to a really good start. I still wonder about them. And then you're looking at the rest of the group. That, to me, the Kings are going to be fighting with teams like the Spurs, the Pelicans, likely the Blazers, maybe the Mavericks even down there, uh, Grizzlies. Who knows how it's all going to shake out. And then which team will have the year that surprises people. Remember, Denver got in as an eight seed the one year and then all of a sudden jumped all the way up to a to a two seed and was really good last year. And they, they've continually been good. Jazz used to kind of just get in. Now they've been near the top of the standings. Um, Dallas, the Clippers, you know, the Clippers certainly without Kawhi Leonard for a while. I know they looked good last night, but they had lost their first two games. So this is going to be probably like we're doing today, a week by week basis on influx and changing. I don't know. Who's great? My my gut reaction telling me in the West, I do think the Utah Jazz are the most complete team. I really do. I think Denver's very close, especially when Jamal Murray is healthy. Uh, the Lakers have scary potential. If Kawhi is back, I think the Clippers do. And and still watch the Warriors because I told you in the offseason, I would have done it differently than they did. But I thought they had a window to stay a championship-caliber team. 
Now they missed their window after KD left. Their window kind of closed, right? For this, the way they were constructed. KD left. Clay was hurt. That two year window. But this offseason, with two lottery picks, movable assets, I would say, in Wiggins and Wiseman, if they wanted to, I think they could have just transformed their team and kept that core of Steph and Draymond and Clay and added another superstar, whether that was Ben Simmons, whether that was something we're not even thinking of, Dane Lillard, um, something out of the box. I don't know. I don't know what that could have possibly fetched, but the Warriors look like they tried to do it where they want to stay very, very good and protect their future. I think if they had acquired a young superstar, they were still protecting their future that way. They chose not to do it. They're off to a good start. Uh, They've got a favorable schedule here at the beginning. And when Steph's playing like this at an MVP level, they got a shot every night. And then you hope that Clay can be a a really nice version of himself from before and a complimentary piece. Jordan Poole looks to be a nice player. Um, Certainly Draymond, his, his smarts and his ability to kind of find the avenues in a game to win when it's his time, it's a good team. I don't know if it's a great team. It's a good team, but Steph can make them great. And I thought they had a chance, though, with another superstar there would have would have really helped them. A couple other things that have happened in the week, uh, one week so far. We talked about the Lakers sideline feud. That certainly was a terrible look. Um, the same team, though, has had Carmelo Anthony reach historic heights. He moved into number nine all time scoring. Um, they got to figure out Russell Westbrook, how they want to utilize him. It's a very good player, very aggressive player. Plays with great passion and energy. It just, the league is so much about fit, and you can't force that. But can you find what works um, to his skill set to complement what LeBron and AD? I think AD and LeBron are a really good complement of each other, and they can win a lot of games just with that, too, twosome, and others around him. Russ generally isn't another. He has been a star on teams and can still be a very highly effective player, but LeBron is. His magic is when the ball is in his hands or he's making decisions on the floor. That's not always been the strength of Russell Westbrook, but he also needs the ball in his hands. they got to figure that out. I think over time they will, I think. But it's it's started slowly. It looked like it in the preseason. It certainly has so far in the early parts of the regular season. I think another very telling and interesting story that we kind of got into the latter part of last week was and had been following all summer was Ben Simmons and how quickly the narrative changed and I like the way it changed because what did we hear that you know okay he showed up then he got kicked out of practice then it was um you know how's this team going to even be able to function with him there what are they going to do Daryl Morey we played those clips last week hey dig in we're not just going to give him away for you know role players we need a difference maker like a Ben Simmons. And it, you know, what did, um, at the time, Joel Embiid said, I, I have no feelings for that man. This was sounding awful, looking like it was going to be just a terrible situation for, for the long haul. And then we hear that the sides were going to meet. And out of that, what a narrative flip, right? Where Ben Simmons seemingly very open with his team when, when um, Joel Embiid basically said, why do you want to be traded? And he just let out what seemed to be his true feelings of not being in the right place mentally. And when you start talking about mental health, you got to be very careful there. And it's not, it's no longer, not that any of this was funny, 
but why is he not in the right place? What is going on there? Uh, then his teammates openly coming out and say, we're here for you. And Ben Simmons, or excuse me, and Joel Embiid himself reached out an olive branch to him and, and publicly said that. So I think the narrative, what an interesting flip on that. And Chris, I know when we were talking about this, I, I didn't even envision there would be a way that it could be, oh man, I, I really feel for him. And they feel for him. And I don't know if they're going to fully patch this up, but it just feels like that all changed in that meeting that they had if if those honest words were all said and now what everybody's saying. The thing is with Philadelphia as the fans. Yeah, I don't know if they're all in, but I feel like it's softened a little bit. Yeah. And but, especially I mean, when I was, Embiid – what helps is when Embiid went out there and said what he said. A softened Philadelphia fan base still. It's still insane. Yeah, it's still insane. And, that, like, so the thing is, it's if he comes back, kills it, all right, cool. But if he comes back struggling – Oh, they'll get him. They'll get him. But I just – even the fact that I thought there was no way – that they all hate him. Embiid, yeah, I have no feelings for this man. Then to say, hey, look, he's going through stuff. We got to be there for him. It's like, wait, same guy? So whatever Bill – Bill – Whatever Ben Simmons said was honest enough or they yeah. felt real enough. And, you know, the questions also that came out of that is why, why wasn't this discussed or said earlier? I think it kind of was, but I don't think anybody it's, because they weren't ever together. It sounds like it was. Yeah. But just remember when they were calling him, he wasn't answering their calls. and But that also may lead to I'm not in a good place. And I think part of it is what we just discussed. Philly, Philly fans. It's brutal. It's not, Everybody can't do it. And it looks like it's impacted him for sure. Um, The other part, I would say, in one week that stood out to me is the rookies. The play of the rookies. And thankfully, we have one of them. A lot of people are talking about Davion Mitchell across the league. On what he has done, how he has played, how he has looked. um, Including, let's hear it again, what uh, Donovan Mitchell said about Davion. First off, he's... He is as advertised. I think that's how that's how you say it. He, um, he's, you know, he's he's physical. He's quick. You know, he he, he does a lot of solid things defensively. Um, that disrupted not only myself but a lot of us. You know, he set the tone defensively. You know, he got the crowd involved. The crowd. You know, everybody call him off night. You know, and they they feed off of that. That's and that's a that's one thing I would say that you know he's he's really 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 good at. And you know, he's going to get better as his career goes goes on. But for us. Um, just being able to play through that, you know, their, their atmosphere, their whole atmosphere as a group, they're physical, they were running they're, they're doing so many different things. And you're right. You know, my five years is probably the most physical, I would say that they've been as far as kind of hitting and doing those things. And, you know, they did a really good job of it. They, they beat um, Portland, you know, in the, in the same fashion, you know, and that that's, that's who they're going to be. That's going to be their identity. And I think for us, just being able to, play through that I think was huge because I last year I don't think we necessarily win that game and with the way they played and I think for us to be able to do that is huge but you know they're going to be a team like that and it starts it really starts with with Davion on the defensive end and you know everybody knows our relationship you know so I, I got mad respect for him and you know he's going to get better as his career goes on as the season goes on too again that's what uh Donovan Mitchell said about Davion Mitchell but it's not only what he's doing defensively we know what he did offensively the other night, had his career best night. Hopefully there's more of those to come. Here's what Steph had to say about Davion. 
Oh, that's right. That was the one that <laughs> that didn't work on our end. That's all right. We will uh, we'll get that one another time. Uh, here's what Steve Kerr said about uh, Davy on the other day after uh, getting ready for the for the Kings. Yeah, he had a lot of fans in our our building. Just his competitive desire, his uh, on ball defense. Um, he's uh, he just seems like a like a winner. I've talked to Luke about him. Luke loves him. I think um, you know there it seems like a really good fit for them. Uh, and um, yeah, I watched him a little bit in the preseason. I haven't watched last night's game yet. I'll watch that um, today on the bus. But um, yeah, he very good player, and um, you know, kind of kind of guy. I, I I always admire just anybody who's that tenacious defensively. You have to respect. Yeah, so that's kind of the accolades that have been said about him. But the point is, in one week, I think this rookie class. Long way to go has been good. You look at some of the numbers and some of the things and the ability that a guy like Evan Mobley has done. Jalen Green for the Rockets had a 30-point game the other night. Chris Duarte had been starting for the Pacers, putting up good offensive numbers. Sangoon looks like a nice piece, a future piece for Houston. Scotty Barnes uh, for Toronto. My personal favorite in the draft was Jalen Suggs. Um, he's, you know, he's on a bad team, but, you know, these guys are getting opportunities and starting to do some good things. I think it is a really good draft class, or at least potentially to be very good. And I'm glad that Davion has, has done his part in offensively, but more so defensively. And uh, we'll, we'll have fun talking about him more coming up uh, with the coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, who will join us at 5. All right, it is Kings and Suns coming your way tomorrow. Uh, let's get more perspective on what it looks like in Phoenix right now. A 1-2 and two start after being two wins away from winning the championship last year. Tim Kempton, former NBA player and current analyst for the Phoenix Suns, will join us when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. inside, go to the rim, score it, count it, and he's fouled from behind by Giannis. Oh, brother. Uh, that was last year from the NBA Finals when the Phoenix Suns took on the Milwaukee Bucks as a series where the uh, Suns had a two games to none lead. Milwaukee won the last four and uh, ended up winning their first championship for Phoenix. What a dream season it was a year ago, and now they are in a spot where they're completely different expectations. They've started one and two, a long, long way to go, uh, and the Kings and Suns will battle tomorrow in Phoenix. Let's get a little more perspective on what's going on with the Phoenix Suns with the former player and Suns radio analyst Tim Kempton. Joining me, Jason Ross, here on the show. Tim, how are you today? Good, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Looking Thank- forward to the game tomorrow night. Yeah, I think we are too. I, I, I we loved it here. I will say, uh, you know, we'll probably look at it as a position of jealousy or envy. Suns had a ten-year drought of making the playoffs. Kings are at fifteen, and you guys seem to skip all those steps. Not only make the playoffs, have one of those amazing, amazing runs, and we're two wins away from a parade. How wild was last season for you? Yeah, it was kind of crazy, Jason. And the thing about it is, is you know, people talk about putting teams together. The Suns did a real nice job draft-wise. All the, the, the core guys of this team, 
obviously you start with Devin Booker, then DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, and Cam Johnson. All those guys were nice pieces that they picked up in the draft. And all of a sudden, other people look at it and say, wow, that's a that's a fun team. I'll, I'll go there as a free agent. Obviously, Chris Paul was a huge piece. Uh, guy's amazing. He just wins wherever he goes and, 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 and makes teams better. So he was a huge part of it. But the young guys were were really exciting to watch. And, uh, and you watch them come along and mature as the season went along. How would you, you play the league? You watched Chris Paul play you know, a ton of games, seen on other teams. Then he comes there. How do you quantify that? Because you're right. Everywhere he's gone, he's won. Suns were getting better. Why was he the piece that, that kind of brought it all together? Well, first of all, let's start with his position. The point guard position is so prevalent. It's like a quarterback in the NBA. If you don't have a point guard in the NBA right now, you're not going to win. And, and Chris Paul, the other night, uh, on, on his seventh point against uh, Lakers, scored his 20,000. The only player in the NBA all time, the only player with 20,000 points and 10,000-plus assists. So, so those two numbers tell you right there, complete player. Uh, can score from the position, uh, sets up his teammates from the position. Really the, the, the marquee player in today's day and age, that point guard position. And, and you could argue, even at his, at, at his late age, he's still one of the top three, four, five point guards in the NBA. And the only thing, the only reason he's not is because of his age and, and, and the youth that some of these other guys possess. Tim, how, how would you say that year was re- kind of failed by the fans and the organization because it was truly amazing, but also a 2 nothing lead in the finals? It's that close to making it even that much more spectacular is it looked at as still a, a great, great season, or is there still kind of that empty feeling just from not getting that last couple of wins? Yeah, Jason, I think the answer to that is both. Because as you know, coming into the, the season, the expectation was to make the playoffs. But then once you get there, those expect, expectations go away, especially when you have that 2-0 lead. So sitting back and looking at it, yeah, you're, you're extremely satisfied. The, the steps that this team and the players made to get there absolutely phenomenal over the top. But once you do get there and you have that 2-0 lead, there's definitely a, a bitter taste uh, of disappointment in your mouth. So now expectations are different, right? It's not just make the playoffs. It's it's the the group's coming back. And actually, Tim, I like what's been added between Landry Shamit, JaVale McGee, Alfred Payton, got kind of just a deeper, more full roster. What do you think about the Suns as uh, this year begins? Yeah, it, it, I think it's more of a mental thing this year than anything because now you have that target on your back and everybody's uh, bringing their effort every night. Hey, this is the Western Conference champions from last year. Uh, their expectations are, just like you said, they got better. You know, you know, obviously, you know, the pundits are still saying they're the third or fourth best team in the West. But, uh, yeah, it's more mental. It, it's being mentally prepared, understanding what teams are doing to you, on a night-in, night-out basis, knowing that you're going to get their best effort. Everybody's coming out excited to play against you, whether it's in their own building or whether they're coming into Phoenix because, you know, it's always fun going in someone's building and and beating them, taking the air out of the crowd, and and there's a lot of expectation. So there's a lot of enthusiasm in in our building uh, every night. So uh, mentally, they have to be prepared, have to be stronger uh, to understand where they are right now. 
Tim Kempton joining us, Suns radio analyst. Tim, uh, it's just three games, but a couple of double-digit losses and a win in between over the Lakers. What what have you seen that's not quite clicking right now for Phoenix? Yeah, a little inconsistent, especially after the preseason that they had. I thought they uh, they looked really good in, in the preseason. It looked like they were in midseason form, but obviously the the Denver Nuggets uh, put that uh, put that out of out of the mind thought right away. Um, the Nuggets one was disappointing. Obviously, bouncing back against the Lakers and just ran into a red hot shooting Portland team. So. The Nuggets was probably the one that they were most disappointed in. Nuggets shoot twenty uh, was it twenty four of uh, fifty from uh, behind the arc. Wow. Suns were only nine of nine of twenty uh, seven. So uh, really, uh, everybody got hot up and down the lineup for for the Portland Trailblazers, and they just didn't didn't have enough uh, enough uh, you know buckets that night. So that one wasn't really as bad. But uh, one and two, a little disappointed. Schedule breaks nicely now. You have five at home. Um, they had a couple of days off from the Portland game. Everybody should be rested, should be excited to come and play these five games. So, and, and anything less than five, five and zero oh on this homestand, I think, would be a disappointment wow. for this group. Yeah. yeah, I think the Kings are walking into a tough one because you're right. One and two coming off a a bat, you know a. a discrepancy in a loss and you lose your home opener this this might be a real tough one for the kings walking into that one tomorrow night yeah the suns suns definitely need need to need to be prepared and and come out and play a solid 48 minutes uh, be be aggressive from the first jump ball uh deandre ayton uh has developed nicely is there more to the kind of where it was uh, with wanting a, a max kind of contract extension, not getting that, uh, any carryover with him into that? Or what's that situation at like right now? Yeah, I think obviously he came out and said he was disappointed, uh, you know, especially with two guys on our team, Mikel Bridges and Landry Shamit, both in that draft class, uh, getting extended, Mikel for $90 million. And then all the other guys behind them, you know, uh, Jay Gilgis Alexander, Michael Porter Jr., Trey Young, all those guys get max contracts. So uh, uh, DeAndre's just got to, you know, put it behind him. He came out and said, hey, I'm disappointed. Understand it. But you still have this year to, to, to even make it better. If he, he could come out and qualify for a max, you know, a super max extension, not just a, a max extension. So it, it's in his hands to go out there and just keep on developing and not let that bother him. Understand it's a business. And now he has control of the business aspect of it. Tim, did you notice any, I don't know, fatigue or tired legs or just, I mean, Booker, everybody for the Suns went through so much, didn't get the same amount of rest as the rest of the league. And then he had to go right to the Olympics. Is he, is he fully back up and running from that great level he was playing at last year? I don't think so. You know, we saw a couple of poor shooting nights uh, for, for Devin Booker early on. That's usually, you know, if he has one, he usually bounces back. So, there may be, you know, because he took some time off after the Olympics, so uh, maybe not in, in tip-top shape, just trying to rest and, and, and make sure he didn't get uh, an injury coming into the season. So I don't think he's in, in, in top shape yet. Um, you know, I, the next week or so, I expect the Suns to, to be back where they need to be physically to, for, for the challenge of the season. And I know everybody there, and just everybody around the league, just as a person, loves Monty Williams. You've seen him as a, you know, him as a person, but as a coach, that just that fit there. Suns are lucky to have him. He's he's a tremendous human being, first and foremost, and a heck of a coach. Yeah, it, 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 as as you know, 
it, it's all got to be quick. And you can't have, you know, nine pieces out of ten, you know, two pieces out of three. You have to have it all. And Monty is definitely a huge part of this, uh, the way he connects with the guys, the way, uh, you know, the communication. Um, the, the and, and obviously the, the offense and defense, the, the taking advantage of the talent that he has. So Monty is a huge part of, uh, uh, of this situation. Tim, you were here for the preseason game for the Kings. Um, you know, it's not a full look. It was preseason, but I think Sacramento, if I remember right, for the most part, played a lot of their guys. What do you think of the Kings this year? Still a, a, a young, talented team that, that, that uh, you know, still needs to figure out how to how to bring it every night. I mean, the talent is, is there. Uh, obviously, it's a, the mental aspect of putting it all together, playing as a group, um, and, and getting over that next hurdle getting that confidence to get to that next level. Yeah, for sure. And last thing for you, Tim, you were in L.A., I believe, for that, uh, I don't really know what we call it, sideline spat with Dwight Howard. Did you get a good look at that with Dwight Howard yeah, and A.D. Yes, at all? did. Yeah, it was, it was surprising because A.D. was definitely the aggressor. Uh, you know, they came off, they were talking as they came off uh, the court, and then they sat down, Anthony Davis walked up right in front of him, so Dwight just tried to stand up, and A.D. put two hands on him and pushed them, uh, pushed them even, even further. So it was really, uh, it was, you know, it was kind of crazy, you know, especially that early in the season uh, with, with Anthony Davis and, uh, and, and Dwight Howard. Really a uh, surprise. Um, obviously, the, the preseason going on in six didn't sit well. They, they, they definitely have some uh, frustrations with that team right now trying to figure it out. Yeah, plus at that time, I think you guys were, were spanking them pretty good. It was a, it was a yeah, tough, tough time for them. 32 at one time. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, enjoy the homestand coming up. I know it's going to be tough for the Kings going into that one. Tim, we thank you uh, for giving us some insight on Phoenix and for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Great talking to you. All right, thank you. That's Tim Kempton, former NBA player and current analyst for the Phoenix Suns radio network and yeah you know again you get locked in on kind of what's going on with your team so he gave us some good insight if you think about what they have six of their next seven at home and the one non-home game is here in sacramento uh in a couple of mondays so their homestand after losing their home opener right you had that emotional season your first game back you're at home you play denver and you lose by 12 then you go to la and beat them they just got demolished by Portland, 134 to 105. Kings are walking into a tough one tomorrow. We talk about that a lot during season schedule games. Um, Phoenix, they're going to get a great version of the Phoenix Suns. Now, can the Kings have a great version of themselves and beat them? It's very possible. So it's, uh, remember when the Suns were here in the preseason, Booker didn't play, Paul didn't play. But uh, it's the Kings, Cleveland, New Orleans, Houston, Atlanta, all at home then back here to Sacramento to take on the Kings, and then home again to Portland. So, yeah, they're hoping to to get going here after this one and two start. Our thanks to Tim Kempton for joining us, giving us uh, some perspective on those Phoenix Suns. Still much more to get to, including at the top of the hour, head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, will join us. We're back with more after this on Sports 1140 KHDK. Thanks again to Tim Kempton for joining us, former NBA player, Phoenix Suns radio analyst in our last segment coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Head coach of your Sacramento Kings, Luke Walton, will stop by for his 
uh, weekly visit here on the show. Kings are in Phoenix, getting ready to take on the Suns. We will have that for you tomorrow. Uh, Kings, we just mentioned Phoenix beginning a uh, homestand, five-game homestand, six the next seven at home. Kings are on the other side of that where they're beginning a road trip uh, for the Sacramento Kings. And, um, you know, they got to look at Phoenix, and then they go to New Orleans, Dallas, and Utah. So we said it from the very beginning of the schedule, the, the way it was laid out. I was like, man, the beginning of the season with all those Western Conference playoff-type teams is is difficult, but if you think you belong, it it really doesn't matter. You yeah. I think we all are guilty and look at the schedule and go, okay, this month looks favorable. They can get eight wins here and four wins on this stretch. If you do that this year, like it, you could make it an exercise and kind of go through that. See how see how many times you're right. Because you know there'll be a handful of games this year where you go, oh, the Kings, that that's a win. That's a win. Just on schedule, that's a win. They got it. They're better than that team. And it won't be. And the other way around, you're like, oh, I don't know how they're going to win tonight. I don't like the odds here, and this player's out for the Kings. They can't win this game, and then they do. It's the beauty of the sport. It's why you play them. Um, but uh, a win over Portland so far for the Kings, a loss to Utah, and a loss to the Warriors. Bum that those two were at home. So those are you'd rather play those teams in your building, and the Kings couldn't find a way to convert. Now you have to go to Phoenix, New Orleans, Dallas, and Utah. The other thing we've been uh, monitoring from day one of the season was the linear championship. Chris, uh, we already have a uh, another change of hands, don't we? Do we? Yes. I believe you have a sounder for that, don't you? I do. So we need to let everybody know what's going on here. That wimpy deer. You hit the wrong one. I hit the wrong one. You had a new one for me, didn't you? I did. All right. So now I'm going to have to play it. Okay. You want me to play it? Yes. If, do you have it? Uh, I'm going to need a couple more seconds, but I will. I got it right here. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this contest, and new that wimpy. Look, cut off there. I don't know what happened. Did. There. Hmm. But the Bucks fix that. The Bucks have it. It started there, and now it stops here. Uh, what is going on here? This thing isn't lasting very long at all in any one team's hand. Not one team has defended the linear championship. All right, do you have the rundown? It started with the Bucks. Okay, as opening the night. Champs, yep. They lost to the Nets. Then the No, they beat the Nets opening they, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They beat yeah. the Nets. Yeah. So actually, yeah, that was the one defense. Okay. So there's one clean defense. But right where it started, yeah. Yeah. Then they lost to the Heat. Okay, badly. The Heat had it for one game and they lost to the Pacers. Okay. And then Pacers lose to the Bucks Last night. And so Milwaukee has it back. So now you're looking at this going, okay, what's next for Milwaukee? Uh, I like their chances against Minnesota. That's their next game. Following that, San Antonio. That Talk about a scheduling quirk. They've already gonna be, they're going to be done with the Spurs. Not that that's – maybe it's a better sign for the Spurs getting done with playing a really good Eastern Conference team. That's weird. Of the one, two, three, four, five, first six games – the Bucks and Spurs will play twice. And looking over the schedule, I think that right now is the best way to get it towards a Kings game. Um, I think it's one more game. Here's the, here's the right. I found the map. Okay. Halloween. Spooky. Bucks. Jazz. Okay. Jazz win. Jazz very next game. Kings. Yes. There it is. It's in Utah. 
Kings would have to go get it. That's that's the right kind of you know a really good team on the road. That'd be nice. And that's that's right. probably the quickest path for the Kings to be playing for it. If the Bucks hang on to it for a couple days, and the Bucks can beat what was it, San Antonio? No, uh, Minnesota, San Antonio. Then it's Utah. Okay, there you go. Something to watch as we continue to monitor the all important linear championship tonight in the NBA. Your games that are on schedule right now. Philly is playing New York. Philly leads that one uh, twenty-two to sixteen. Good uh, start for R.J. Barrett in this one. He's got eight early points. Warriors and Thunder start here in a few minutes. you got 3-0 versus 0-3. Remember, this is the last of a four-game road trip for the Warriors. And then they uh, will – or, excuse me, uh, they play the Clippers at home. But then they come home for an eight-game homestand for the Warriors. I mean, just an incredible uh, setup they've got coming up. they got Memphis, OKC, Charlotte, New Orleans, Houston, Atlanta, Minnesota, Chicago, all coming up at home after this game uh, in OKC. And then the other games tonight on the NBA schedule, some good ones here. I would say Lakers-Spurs are intrigued there. Both teams 1-2, and and LeBron James, as we told you earlier, is out of this game with a sore ankle. Nuggets and Jazz, best game of the night. Utah just 2-0, Denver 2-1. I like that Gobert versus Jokic matchup. And then the Rockets and the Mavs uh, will be playing in Dallas. That one starts in about 30 minutes. So uh, we'll keep you up to date on what's going on in the NBA. The World Series is about to begin with Game 1. We also will have uh, constant updates on that in our final hour. But when we come back, not only the crossover World Series updates, the head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, scheduled to join us. We'll do that next right here on Sports 1140 KHTK.